Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 44 for January 2016. Well, thank you as always for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Happy New Year, by the way. Hope you all had a great Christmas and I hope 2016 will be a great one for you. If you want to get in touch with us at any time, send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. We always love to get your feedback. Now, coming up over the next one hour and 12 minutes, stay with us because we're meeting an inspirational young lady named Bobby Hickey. Dave Nason's along to talk about the Apple TV fourth generation and all the cool things it can do. And Brian Harchton is here to tell us all about the Sonos audio system. That's coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with us following our Christmas podcast. It's always nice to record the Christmas podcasts. And uh, a number of people said to me that they really enjoyed the music and a little bit of Christmas atmosphere. So that's very nice to know. Uh, quite a few people enjoyed our interview with Josh O'Connor. It's always nice to talk to Josh. And there was uh, a couple of people particularly interested in what Josh had to say about the airline sector. Um, one of the things I noticed in the last couple of days, because I needed to book a flight later in the year, is that there are changes happening with the Aer Lingus website uh, for the good, I might add. So if you go to aerlingus.com, there's some nice edit boxes now where you can enter your departure and arrival date. Um, so, you know, I suppose already we can see those changes and Josh uh, tells us that this is a work in progress. Um, if you have any suggestions for the podcast, we remember we love to hear from you. We're starting into a new year, I suppose. There are plans within NCBI internally for the podcast. We've been um, chatting and you'll see those plans over the year. But if you have thoughts, comments or suggestions, remember we love to hear from listeners. If you'd like to make a contribution or get involved in the podcast, please do get in touch. That email address, again, is technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. It's the very first technology podcast of 2016, and I can think of no better way to start 2016 than with a bit of a, a lifestyle piece that might uh, border on technology a little bit. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Bobby Hickey. Hello. Bobby, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Thanks you for, for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to have you. Um, I, I, so let's just put this into context a bit, because people might say, who's Bobby Hickey? I never heard of you. I wouldn't have heard of you six months ago. Didn't yeah. know you existed, right? Yeah. Okay. And then um, Amy, Amy Heinz Fitzpatrick, who works here in our fundraising department, who's our corporate engagement executive, uh, told me that I needed to meet Bobby Hickey and then sent me a link to a video that you did, a presentation you did for a TEDx talk. Okay, and we'll come back to TEDx maybe in a minute. Um, and I suppose I was really impressed by not only your attitude and the way you were, you were speaking, but just how you told your story and how it was sort of so positive. So I suppose on that basis, we thought it'd be a great way to start 2016 by bringing you in and, and talking a little bit about your story because it, it is really interesting. Cool. So, so thanks for coming in. <laughs> no problem. So who is Bobby Hickey? You're, you're, in, you're, you're still in school, isn't that right? Yeah, I'm in fifth year in Sanford Park in Ranala. Okay. 
So, a lot of work. <laughs> a lot of work, okay. Because, you know, they always used to say, certainly when I was in fifth year, I didn't have, the, I'm showing my age now, they didn't have transition year when yeah. I was in school. Actually, it came in the year after, I think. Mm-hmm. And for those people who are listening, maybe who are not in Ireland, the um, the Irish school system, I suppose, has a, a year, I'd almost call it a gap year, but I might be in trouble for yeah, saying that. Yeah, like a dossier. Is it, is it a, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's, not, there's not a lot of academic work. It's dossing in a way that you don't do a lot of regular school work, but okay. I found it the opposite of because I discovered so much myself in fourth year because you do so much outside school and I'm not a very academic person so I did loads of projects and trips and work experience and stuff so in that way it's not a dossier but mm. if you're an academic person it's a dossier it's, it's probably a year where you learned a lot about yourself isn't yeah, it? yeah it's yeah. like yourself okay building so, okay, right, okay. <laughs> now just just so that so that we know and so that our listeners know um, you your your level of vision or your eye condition first of all what's your eye condition um, I have glaucoma and cornea. Okay. Yeah. And and how much can you see? I always ask this when people are sitting in. We're sitting yeah. here at the table. Bobby's sitting beside me. Can you see me? Yeah. Okay. I can see like the fact that you have a blue shirt on, and then um, I can see the color of your face and where your eyes are, but I can't see the detail. Okay. Like I wouldn't be able to tell. I can see the light that's on your nose and everything, but I wouldn't be able to see your teeth. Okay. Okay. Thank you for telling me the color of my no shirt. Problem. By the way, I didn't know what color it was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, I, I was I was really interested, I suppose, because there is some stuff in, in the presentation, uh, this um, this TEDx talk, and we've put a link to it on the on the show notes for the podcast. But there's some things that are that are really interesting, and one of them that I thought we might touch on was for a number of years. I think it's fair to say you went sort of saying, almost saying, "Yeah, I don't really need. I'm not blind. Mm-hmm. I don't need a cane. I, I'm I'm fine." Definitely. And then one day you were knocked down. Yeah, How yeah, and it, it was really, it was really out of the blue because I was just doing a walk that I did every single day to and from school. I knew it the back of my hand, and it was just at a road where there was no traffic lights, and there was a little island in the middle of the road, and I was meant to be meeting my friend, so I was standing in the island per se, in the middle of the two kind of bricks mm. of concrete, and I was just standing there, and I thought my friend was talking to me, so I was just listening. I wasn't really concentrating on the road. I made sure there was no cars coming, but my mind wasn't focused on cyclists so I just walked past and then all of a sudden I heard a voice coming for me and cursing at me and I was like oh like he was telling me to stop but of course I'm not going to stop in the middle of the road so I kept on walking and then that's when he knocked me from my left thigh and yeah it was really shocking and I suppose it's probably all the more shocking because I know sometimes when you're walking along because I do it myself you're in your own world Mm -hmm. you're not maybe all the time listening to the sounds or maybe looking around you yeah and suddenly bang yeah, like it was literally a bang. We both, I flew, I flew up in the air. I wasn't hurt or anything like that, thank God. But I literally flew up in the air. Like I said, both my school shoes had came off and he was underneath the bike and stuff. And I don't, he didn't realize that I was visually impaired until I looked at him. And then when he saw, because you can tell by my eyes, because they look different. Mm-hmm. And when he saw, he was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's fine. It's my fault, you know? But at the time, I wasn't saying it's my fault in my head because... I thought, oh, he's a cyclist. He should have moved out of the way from me, you know. I, but okay. then, like, looking back, I was using my cane, so it was my fault. And, and when... So then I suppose it, it probably dawned, and you did it because you talk about this in, on, the, on the TEDx, that you kind of... You went home and your mum said, where's your cane? Mm-hmm. And, oh, the cane's in my bag. Yeah. And I suppose then her... The next thing is, well, why is it in your bag? Yeah. Was that when it... Because a lot of people would have talked before about the fact that a cane maybe when you're losing your vision a cane is not very cool it's, it's, no. it screams things doesn't it <laughs> yeah it does like 
when my mum first said that to me, I was kind of like, well, yeah, it's in my room. Like, obviously, I'm, what age? I was like 15 at the time. Obviously, I'm 15. I'm not going to walk around using a white stick that makes such a loud sound because it kind of like rolls along the pavement. It makes such a loud sound, I think. Maybe for me, because I'm concentrating on it more, but I just felt so self-conscious for the first few weeks and I was using it. But now there's been times when I've forgotten my cane when I'm walking into school I don't know how or there's some circumstance that comes up that I don't have my cane and it actually scares me to walk alone without my cane now because okay. I'm so used to it okay. so it's just that kind of the kind of bump that you have to get over and now you are I suppose what you're saying is you're fully comfortable with your cane yeah I mean yeah. sometimes I'd be more self-conscious using it in front of people you know um, but that's just another bullet that you had to bite. How has school been for you? It, we, you know, it's always interesting. We hear about uh, integrated education and, and the great thing now for yeah. 99% of people, it's working really well. Is it working well for you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I'm really, I'm really happy that I didn't get sent to a special needs school because I, for me, I just don't think that would have worked because I have a lot of social skills and stuff and I love talking. Um, so I, I really like the social aspect of school and the stuff that you can get out of it out, outside the classroom. Um, but for inside the classroom, I just, I don't, it's nothing against the stuff they have to learn. But for me personally, I just don't find it very beneficial because it's not what I, it's not in the kind of line of things that I want to do for my career when I'm older. But I suppose if I was looking at it from a doctor's perspective, the subjects that we were learning will be very beneficial. But I want to end up on radio, so... Okay. The subjects that I'm doing aren't exactly very radio, but I love the school I'm in. I'm really happy that I'm in Sanford Park. It's it's great. They've been amazing with accepting this new challenge that is my site, mm-hmm. and they've highlighted loads of the stairs and all the handles and the doors, and they've been really good with taking it on. So the actual school that I'm in, I'm really happy where I am. You and I were talking uh, off-air before, before we started this about technology. And yeah. We suppose we were, we were talking about how we use our iPhones and, and sort of th- things like, like that. And you, you do use an iPhone, but you have the, the, uh, the magnification, isn't that right? Yeah, if you go into settings and then in general, and then there's an accessibility thing that you can tap into. If you tap into it, there's a large text. So you can have it to a large text to an extent, but then there's another large text that's large text for visual impairment. So you click that, and then that's when it gets massive. Okay. So my text is massive. So when you're accessing let's say material in school is are, are things sent to you electronically or how do you access for example school books um i kind of do half and half i have a lot of my school books on my ipad mm-hmm. and then i have some of them uh, hardback copies and i also have an sna who takes notes for me and then those notes are either typing up typing i don't know <laughs> typing up on my ipad or written up in a notebook and i'll just read them myself but so, um so, it's a mix. So, the, so there is good level of, of support there oh yeah yeah it's just because this is a new thing for the school that i'm in now as well and then obviously i've never been in fifth year before so it's kind of a new thing for everyone so we're just finding the best the best path to go down okay and and let's say within school because it's always an interesting thing when you talk to people because i know personally i found you know the classroom was okay and the the sort of academic subjects i suppose but when you're out and about running around maybe PE or, mm. or do, 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 how do those things work for you do they pose challenges for you well, one of the biggest challenges that I'd say that I face in school is my school is broken up into a few separate buildings. Okay. So walking from class to class for me is like a maze because it's concrete. So the concrete's kind of grey and then the um, uniforms are bla- grey and black. So they're kind of everyone's walking around, obviously, because no one 
not a lot of people in the school know that I'm visually impaired or they don't know how much visually impaired I am. Does that make sense? They don't know yeah. the extent of it. Yeah. So they're kind of just walking around minding their own business and then I'm there trying to manoeuvre in and out of them. And I don't walk in groups a lot of the time when I'm walking to class. I might walk ahead or in front of the group, yeah. but I found when I'm walking in a group and I'm not linking someone, I just bump into everyone. So a lot of the times for me, I'll just walk... Um, by myself to the classes but it's not that's probably the biggest challenge I face every day but as opposed to PE I have a really great new PE teacher this year that is really really good on including everyone I remember the first class that I had with him he wanted me to try and do badminton and I first got really annoyed about like you know I'm not going to do badminton I can't do it why are you going to make me do it and then I got really upset because I want to do it but I can't do it and then I was like wait he is trying to include me in this you know a lot of the other sports teachers would just say no she can't do badminton take her on a walk or something but he was really good on including me so and that's super i mean i was at an event last year and they were talking about the idea that pe so many schools the easy opt-out for pe is oh let stuart go and do an extra i don't know uh, maths class mm. for example and they said the real successful PE teachers or PE services are where there's fully inclusive. And it sounds like your teacher is right up there. So. Yeah, yeah, really, really good. Now, let's talk about, if we can, uh, I hope you don't mind me calling it this, let's say um, Bobby the brand. Because yeah. you are kind of branding yourself, aren't you? Would that be <laughs> fair suppose. to say? Yeah, yeah. maybe. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've seen you're, you're, you're active on social media, your, your Twitter mm -hmm. and your blog. Yeah. And what what kind of prompted me, by the way, after uh, Amy sent me the video and I watched the video and then I read a piece on your blog where you were, you know, you, I think you the, you, the, uh, the background to it was you hadn't blogged in a while, but you were yeah. kind of saying, hey, guys, I'm still here. And by the way, it's coming into a new year and I have loads of things I want to do and I'm excited. And when I read it, uh, I think it was early in the morning. I got excited just by reading it. I was like, <laughs> That's great. I want to get up and start doing things. She's, <laughs> she's getting me interested by just reading it. And I suppose that's why I wanted to have you on. So th this brand, you, you, you know, you, you kind of remind me of, of somebody who, who really wants to get out there and, and share this real enthusiasm and energy for life with everybody else. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I mean, I guess... I've had Twitter for just over a year now because I didn't really understand it. And then as soon as I got Twitter, it's very different to Facebook and you can notice that straight away because I think Facebook is more kind of personal. You're with your friends, you're taking pictures and sharing weird videos. But then on Twitter, it's kind of, there's a lot of business people on it, there's organizations on it. And when you're at an event, they're always like, use the hashtag and stuff. So I just found Twitter a bit more professional. So, I mean, my dad came up with the name Who's Bobby for my Twitter because who is Bobby, you know? Like, no one's going to know who I am until I make myself known. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I, I just started writing my blog just because I wanted to start writing. <laughs> it's, it's not for anyone, it's just for me, and I guess people are starting to like it, so it's great. <laughs> and clearly, the public speaking thing, I mean, when people watch uh, your TEDx talk, and actually, before we go on about that, what is TEDx? Because I, I was looking at going, Yeah, um, I'm going to try and get it right but I'm not 100% sure basically TED is this massive global platform where people from all around the world can get up on stage and talk about any certain topic mm. and TEDx is basically a smaller TED because TED goes to all the main cities but they want to get into all the little cities that not everyone knows they want to hear as much people as they can so TEDx is more kind of um, they wouldn't have a TEDx Dublin or anything like that. They have a TED Dublin, a TED London, but they'd have a TEDx Tala, which is one I did, or 
um, a TEDx of a different small yeah. city. So it kind of gets into all the little tiny cities that not everyone has heard of or not anyone knows. Yeah. You know? Uh, so your, 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 um, your public speaking, and it can be seen on the video, as I said a second ago, is excellent. Thank you. Um, one of the, the, there were two things that came out, and I'll come to the second one in a minute, but the first thing that came out of that was you were saying to people, you shouldn't be identified or be, I suppose, branded by what people think you can do. Yeah. It's all about what you want to do yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I think that was so important. And, you know, is that something you're, you're trying to, to push out there in your, in your branding, in your social media, in how you're communicating? Yeah, I mean, anything I put out on the internet is just me, you know. I, I just talk about stuff that I really, really like. And being defined as who I am and not who people say I am is just something that's really close to my heart because obviously I have a disability, I have a visual impairment, so it's so easy to people for, for people to label me as the girl with the visual impairment or the girl with the disability. But I'm trying to get past that because... I'm Bobby, the one who likes talking and horse riding and fashion, but I also have visual impairment, but I can do all those things, you know? So it's almost like, and I mean, we, people say it so many times, see the person first and then the disability. Yeah, you, I'm Bobby, yes, I happen to be visually yeah, impaired. Yeah, you talk to the person, not the disability. Yeah, okay. Now, the second thing that came out from your TEDx talk, uh, it's probably the thing that grabbed me most in the video, by the way, was that you have a fully uh, legalized, is that the word, speedboat yep. license. I do. Is that true? It is. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, d- how, how, tell us about that. That sounds great. <laughs> well, um, I've kind of been doing sailing for a few years on and off with a group that actually do activities for kids with disabilities, and I just happened to get into the loop of sailing. Um so I basically just went there every Sunday during the summer and just started sailing normal boats, little dinghies. And I love sailing. I, I find it really freeing. At the same time of being slightly terrified of the sea, I love the fact that I can control the boat that I'm in when I'm in the sea. Um, and I love mermaids and everything underwater. So, I mean, people say mermaids don't exist, but yeah. yeah. They do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I just I really like the idea of being on the water and... I love beaches and everything and I just thought why not get a rib license like there's nothing stopping me so I emailed them um, asked them if it was possible if it was actually legal for me to get one because it is dangerous so um, they had no problem with it as long as I'm with someone with eyes in the boat then they have no problem so you're maybe in the boat maybe you're with your dad or whoever and they're giving you directions yeah like they'll they'll sit beside me or slightly in front of me and they'll be like okay Mm. turn left or turn right or whatever but it's up to me um, how fast I go and with what direction I go within reason obviously if there's a wall you know yeah well it's it's funny that maybe we're talking about this because one of the one of the things people say to me and I've been blind since birth I, I was telling you off air but one of the things people say to me is you know what would you love to be able to do and the only thing I'd love to be able to do, I think, is drive or, you know, drive a car or maybe drive a jet ski or yeah. drive a speedboat. And I think <laughs> you can do it. The, yeah. I think it's the speed. I think it's the thing, as you said, you can decide how fast you go. Yeah, and you can, exactly. You can maybe when you're out in the open water there and there's nothing in front of you. It's a bit like uh, I remember talking to somebody before about being brought down onto a beach years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was with someone and they said, Stuart, you can go as fast as you want. There's nothing in front of you. Yeah. And just knowing that you have that freedom. And yeah, that, and that obviously you pl- you place your full trust in the person who's told you yeah. as fast as you want. <laughs> but you know, I think those kind of, and that's kind of what you're saying. I think, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But like, I guess the weird thing for me 
about driving in particular is because every other vision impaired person I know it was their dream to drive or they just have a really big desire to want to get into a car and mm. drive themselves anywhere they want, you know. I guess because I've been visually impaired since birth and I've never said to myself that I'm able to drive, you know. I mean, mm. makeup will be another thing for me. I always grew up thinking I'd be able to do makeup and then when it came to the age that everyone was starting to do makeup, I just discovered that I couldn't. But for me, driving, it's always been an obvious no. I can never drive. Mm-hmm. And now that my friends are starting to drive, I'm kind of like... Okay, like it's not really, it doesn't upset me as much as I thought it would, you know? I think nowadays as well, there is, it is becoming easier to get from A to B. Mm. It's, it's not perfect. Oh yeah, definitely. I suppose in particular, and, I, and I'm conscious that I'm, I'm being quite, you know, if you're living in the city, yeah. it's, it's certainly easier. <laughs> I mean, um, in the countryside, it's a different it, story. It is, it is very difficult, yeah. I feel for you. Okay. Now, uh, what's for the future for Bobby Hickey? Obviously, uh, fifth year, leaving cert next year. You, yeah. uh, you um, alluded to radio, and I, my ears pricked up. Yes. So tell us about that. <laughs> um, well, my goal is to just survive through school, and then I would love to go on and do journalism and visual media in Griffith College. And basically what I got from that course was that you kind of come out of the course as a qualified journalist you can do photography you can do media radio tv and i would just love to be an entertainer be either on radio and tv but i'd love for people to hear my voice and what i have to say before they see me because when they see me and when they see my eyes it's so easy for people to judge and just go no she's visually impaired oh, she has she's a disability the blind one on yeah TV. exactly yeah, and okay. the media is such a cruel world to be in i think it's a good idea for me in particular to start where people can only hear me so bobby tell us uh, there's there I, i've no doubt there's people listening to this piece who will be very, very impressed with you, because I certainly am. <laughs> and they might be, you know, there's, there's a lot of people as well listening, you know, beginning of the year, thinking mm, goals and, and, and things they might like to do during the year. What advice do you have for people? Because you're clearly someone who, who knows how to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And you, you certainly have a path, a very clear path mapped out for yourself ahead. What, what would you say to people who are just thinking about maybe making that change? Um, I'd say set your goals, but then... Be realistic on how you plan to achieve them because you have a whole year. You don't have to get it done all in January. So maybe set yourself four goals, three months to achieve each goal. And if, I'm just going to give an example, if you're one of those people that wants to lose some weight this year, don't completely ban yourself from sweets because you're just going to crave them more and then the first chance that you get those sweets, you're going to eat so much and you're going to put on all the weight. So maybe put yourself... I don't know, sweet things on Fridays and Saturdays, but within reason, or one sweet thing a week. You know, do it in moderation. Set whatever goals you want. Just don't be too crazy with how you achieve them because then when you don't achieve them, you're going to beat yourself up on them. So be realistic on how you can achieve them and take it one day at a time. It's okay to have the Chinese. It is. It is. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's get your, again, the brand, the Bobby brand. How can people follow you, read the blog? How can they they learn more? And and maybe (laughs) how can they stay in touch with you? Well, my Twitter is at Who's Bobby. So H... No, not H, sorry. W-H-O-S-B-O-B-B-I-E. That's my Twitter. And my Instagram is L-E-B-O-B-B-I-E, Lebobby. And my blog is linked on both of those. And my Snapchat, it's the same as my Instagram, if you use Snapchat. 
wow, I have to, <laughs> have to learn all these things. <laughs> okay, Bobby, it's been lovely. What a lovely thank way you. for us to start 2016. Um, so thank you for taking the time to come in. Best thank of luck in so the future. Um, you can take over the technology podcast in a year or two. Perfect. You come out of Griffith College. No problem. But for the moment, thanks a mil for coming in. Thank you. Now, every time Apple bring out a new device, there's lots of excitement, iPhones, iPads, and most recently, the Apple TV fourth generation hit the shops and the online stores in November. Uh, I was lucky enough to get one, and so was Dave Nason, friend of the podcast, and delighted to have him back. Dave, welcome back. Thanks, Stuart, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Um, did you spend Christmas with your Apple TV? I did indeed, yeah. I am. Um Apple released something with, you know, really good potential. So I had to be uh, had to be there to, to check it out and see what it's all about. Well, it's interesting because I sort of looked at it the, the week it was released. I was reading the specs and I was kind of going, will I, won't I? Because I had an Apple TV third gen, which I gave to a friend of mine um, afterwards. But I think... It it is if you're if you don't mind a bit of, uh, a bit of maybe roughness around the edges, it's worth an upgrade, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think it's it's really long term potential. But I think if you have the third generation, as you and I both did, you wouldn't necessarily be in a rush to run out and buy it. But there are definitely some cool things about it and some really good potential. I mean, it has an app store. That's really the big difference compared to the older one. Yeah, I suppose they're trying to make it feel a lot more like your experience you'd get on your iOS device. Yeah, it is essentially iOS, I think, running in the background. And if, you, if you're if you using it, it will be very familiar, you know. And when you go into the App Store, it has, you know, the featured, the categories, the charts, you know. It has a very familiar feel with iOS. So anyone who's familiar with iOS will be well kind of well able to use the Apple TV and well familiar with it. Okay. Maybe then before we, we start talking about the differences and some of the things that we like and maybe some that we don't like, um, because people sometimes get confused. And only the other day I had a conversation with someone who was asking, what is the Apple TV? And, you know, how big is it? And will I be able to, will I need to throw out my old TV? And how big is the screen? And, I, and then I was realizing yeah, it, it is a bit of a misnomer sometimes because people don't know what is an Apple TV. So it's a, would you describe it as a media center? Or, or, or a, a media a server. top box, I think, is yeah. what most people kind of would call it. So it's kind of, they describe it as hockey puck size, if that means anything to an Irish audience. But, you know, it's a few inches across. It's about double the height of the old one now. But it's still, it's a small little box that will sit underneath your TV, essentially. Um, and just you just plug a couple of cables in and away you go. Now, for setting the device up, it has voiceover and uh, we were talking off air just before this because uh, Dave had some problems getting voiceover to go going I didn't have problems but I know other people who have and I know people who haven't so the setup is I think at this moment at time of recording a little bit hit and miss Dave depending on just yeah so the old Apple TV anyone who has one will know that when you were setting that up it would actually automatically switch on voiceover and say do you want to use voiceover Mm. yes or no the new one doesn't do that. The official way it works is once it's booted up, you triple press, is it the home button? Yeah. Well, <laughs> one the, yeah. of the buttons yeah. and it will turn voiceover on for you. Um, for me, for some reason, I had trouble getting that to work. But as I said, you do. You did. So um, There's a really nice feature as well during the setup. We were talking about this off air as well. Um, 
if you have, and most people who are getting this device will already have another iOS, uh, whether it's a phone or an iPad or an iPod, um, you can hold it close to the Apple TV and it will transfer all your account data and your wireless network details and Mm -hmm. just do it all for you, which is fantastic. Yeah, it really speeds up the process. You just sort of wave your phone in front of it and away you go. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, audio boom, I think, or maybe it's, an, it's a podcast anyway, that uh, Jonathan Mosen in um, New Zealand recorded. And he did a live uh, unboxing of the Apple TV, but that bit didn't work for him. And I was, he was holding it in front of the thing mm. and it just wasn't picking up the settings. Um, okay. so he had I to found it was it. a little slow at first. So the way it works, you kind of, you tap it on the TV or on the Apple TV and it's actually a screen comes up on your iPhone with, where you continue some of the setup actually mm. on your iPhone screen. But it was, it took a few seconds for it to happen for me. So I suppose don't panic if it doesn't happen the first second or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worked for me. One other thing I think to mention very quickly is, just in case people don't know, it is an internet box as well when we were talking about what it actually is. So you need to have a broadband connection in your house to actually use this. Um, it can connect either by Ethernet or by um, Wi-Fi. Yeah, but it, and exactly, you, you really have to have internet before you even plug the thing in, you know, because it's not, yeah. gonna, you won't need to do anything with it. Yeah. Um, just maybe to, to talk about, because the older Apple TV had a very, I suppose, a structured menu system. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, I don't know, it, was, it depends on, on what subscriptions or it depends on where in the world you were using it as well, because uh, mm-hmm. different geographic areas had diff- access to different things. And it's probably kind of similar for the new Apple TV. But because the layout has changed and the remote control has changed, the remote control has a, uh, a touch surface, hasn't it? Yeah. So the old one, tiny little remote control and had essentially a circle, but essentially worked as a D-pad and then, you know, a button in the middle and then two other buttons. So it was a fairly uncomplicated remote. This one's a little bit bigger, still quite light, though, light and small. Um, the top kind of third of it is a touchpad, so it's a little bit like doing swipes on your iPhone screen. Um, and then in the middle, you've got, I think, is it six, five buttons, or six if you can volume up and volume down. So it's a little bit more complex, but it's not difficult you know yeah and the the volume up volume down is a long button um Mm. that you can just push up or push down and then at the top there's two buttons uh, the menu button which also kind of doubles up as a back button uh you know um, depending where you are there's a home button and underneath that there's a search button and that's also i believe the siri button but the bad news dave is that we don't have siri at the moment not in not in little old (laughs) god knows why But uh, yeah, we don't have Siri. The Siri element is that you can talk to the TV and get to do all sorts of things. And one other thing to say about the remote, Dave, is it has a lightning charger, so you can plug it in and charge up the remote. Yeah, and you rarely need to do it as well. And one interesting thing, actually, I've heard on um, mainstream podcasts, a lot of people giving out about the remote control, saying it's they can't tell which way around it is. It's kind of very symmetric, and it's hard to tell if you're pointing it the right direction. Okay. Um, Interestingly, I was listening to... Um, a blind tech podcast, I think it was the Tech Doctor podcast, and they were saying, yeah, maybe this blind people don't seem to be complaining. Yeah, about I've had no problem. Maybe because we're can, more tactile. Yeah, and also because you can feel the charging, people. you can feel the, the, the charging port. 
I yeah, don't know. I, that's I, that's yeah. the point. And because the volume button is a, a longer okay. button, you can tell that way. But yeah, it's getting a lot of people complaining in the sighted world, <laughs> interestingly enough. But, um, yeah. One more thing I did with the remote was I trained it because you can do a whole, it's kind of interesting, on, within the Apple TV, you can train it to control um, other devices. So I have the remote for the Apple TV also trained to control the volume on our stereo system. Uh, which, yeah, is, which is kind of really handy. Cool. So uh, it's just we were chatting about that earlier as well. Um, so, Dave, in terms of, because one of the things you mentioned at the beginning was the potential, and I think that's very important to say that this device right now, it's, you know, it's, it's very good, but it's not going to blow you away, I think. And certainly if, if you have, and if you currently have an Apple TV uh, third generation and you're happy with it, I wouldn't be probably running to buy it. But you mentioned the potential and the App Store is probably the most exciting bit, isn't it? It is, yeah. So, you know, the stark difference when you set up this one to the third generation. The old one had a load of preloaded apps. Some of them, I couldn't even tell you what they are. A lot of strange things and things like baseball. And all yeah, sorts of yeah for the American market in some ways. Mm. And that was just done by Apple doing deals with these companies to put the apps on there. And you could either hide those apps or have them, but there was no other choice. Now with the new Apple TV, there is an actual app store, just like on your iPhone your iPad so you can go in there and actually search for apps um, so when you first set it up all you'll see there really is you know the movies iTunes movies app and music and computers and settings and I think that's it and then you go to the app store and download what you want you know so first thing I did was go get Netflix and YouTube for example there's a really good feature in the App Store um, that you can go in. There are uh, tabs across the screen. Uh, one of those tabs is um, something called Purchased, mm-hmm. which shows you apps that you have already purchased and that you have on your other iOS devices. And if an equivalent app exists for Apple TV, it's shown up there. So Netflix is a, a very good example because Netflix, I think, had one pretty much from day one. Uh, there's one for YouTube and in my one because I have YouTube on iOS. Yeah. Um, there's one for um, iBlink Radio, which is the people who are Serotech, who also carry our podcast. Um, so you can get the iBlink Radio app for the Apple TV if you want. And you mentioned, I know earlier on, Dave, when we were talking before we went on air, you mentioned other ones like Channel 4 and, and Sky News and all those things are there. Yeah, there's loads. And a good thing with that as well is developers can make these universal apps. So basically, if you've if it's a paid app and you've bought it on an iPhone, you've already paid for it on iPhone, they can choose to have that as a universal app so you don't have to pay for it again on the Apple TV. Okay. So in some cases you're getting, you know, paid apps, but you've already paid for them, so you're getting them free on the Apple TV, which is really cool. Let's talk a little bit about Netflix in particular, because I suppose on the Apple TV third generation and, you know, last, I think it was last April, May, Netflix launched audio description. Everyone was very excited. Mm-hmm. We mentioned it on this podcast a few times and it was very easy. It was very nice. It was very easy to set it up on the Apple TV and it just worked. Yeah. And it, it does work on this Apple TV, but it's a bit, little more tricky. Yeah. So a lot of people were finding their audio description just wasn't there when they set up Netflix on the new one um, and they'd go into the menus and couldn't find it um, there is some I don't know if it's a bug or a limitation but they're aware of it and they're working on it but in the meantime the workaround is you actually have to contact Netflix and ask them to switch um, audio description on on your account so that it will work across all devices including the Apple TV so it's a 
and even then I find the menus when you actually pause something and you actually you kind of swipe up or is it swipe down I can't remember yeah you, you swipe up but but you're right it's not very it doesn't always bring you to the same place yeah there are, there are, it's a bit, I was kind of trying to find the language and I couldn't quite find it at yeah. times so I, I'm still getting used to those menus I don't think they're quite as simple as the old ones so you know, work in progress. Yeah, I, the- I I read somebody was blogging. I think it must have been a, a visually impaired person was blogging about the the older Apple TV and and did mention that the Netflix app for the older one at the moment was pro- is probably still a bit nicer, and uh, mm. a bit, bit more simple. And one of the things I found with Netflix, um, and I think this is again sort of dependent on on Apple TV and and setup, is that um, on the old system, if I turned audio description on for one program, it would automatically play on any other program for which there was audio description available on this I seem to have to kind of go in and you know uh, manually turn it on once I've done that once then it stays on for the duration of the program even if I Mm. go away and watch something else so I don't know there's just little things I suppose that have to be ironed out ironed out yeah um, I suppose, Dave, that the other big thing for me with this Apple TV has been uh, Apple Music because we talked, I think you and, 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 and Kerry and Salim and myself chatted it a few months ago when we did our iOS 9 review and we all said we had um, ditched Spotify in favour of Apple <laughs> Music. And, and I think Apple Music is one of those things that it's so it's built in so deeply into the operating system now. You know, if you have a couple of devices, it really makes a lot of sense to use it. And on the Apple TV, it's really nice, isn't it? Yeah, I'm using it a lot, actually. If I just feel like throwing on some music, I'll just turn the TV on and into the music app. And I have my entire library available to me there. I have the playlists that I've been making, you know, all that just sitting there for me and uh, really nicely integrated. So, yeah, I'm... I'm really liking music on the Apple TV, I have to say. I, I, I'd often be, you know, I might be browsing something on my phone. I might be on a train or something and I say, oh, I like that playlist. I want to mark mm-hmm. it for later. Add it to my library and then I come home and I'm sitting down and I switch on the Apple TV and there's the playlist. It, it's yeah. so nice. The whole thing works so well. Yeah, yeah, I'm liking it. Um, one of the things that, that maybe people should be aware of, because it was a lovely little feature on the older Apple TV, was you could uh, connect a Bluetooth keyboard and tap away and do loads of searching. And on things like uh, Netflix, it was very handy. At this mm-hmm. moment, we don't have that. Um, no, and it's a mystery because Bluetooth, yeah. you can actually use Bluetooth headsets. And everything. Yeah, I was reading that. Yeah, it's very um, strange. It's a mystery to the whole world. Everybody's kind of wondering why they've done this. Um, apparently, Apple released some stats saying nobody was really using it, but I would beg to differ. Mm. <laughs> the one good thing now is at first when it was released, there was also no support for the old remote app on the iPhone. Um, but that has now been updated to work with the new Apple TV. So if you do have to type stuff out, you can use the on-screen keyboard on your iPhone. It's maybe not as good as a Bluetooth keyboard, but it's it's better than using the on-screen keyboard, probably. <laughs> okay, okay. And the new Apple TV comes in two flavors, doesn't it? There's a, in terms of the the, mm. the, the storage, is, 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 it, is, it, is it 32 and 64? Or is I believe it's 32 it's, and 64. 64 I think yeah. there's about a, is it about a 40, 50 euro difference? Yeah, I, I, I know I, I did as well, because um, I wasn't really sure. I, I suppose my, my reasoning for, the, for going for the smaller one was that I was thinking, am I going to have an awful lot of apps on it? Because most of the, in terms of the music and movies, anything else, you're going to be accessing your streaming. So nothing yeah, is sitting on the exactly. device. I'd be exactly the same. I think it's probably people who want to download a lot of games that will would be looking at the uh, the larger one. Um, accessible games are in pretty limited supply at the moment. Yeah. So hopefully that's something that will develop over time. But yeah, I couldn't imagine myself needing the 64 personally. 
I think the games, and it's interesting you mentioned that you know could be could be really interesting in the future mm. with the remote and the gestures. And if we got some good creative people who had mm. ideas for accessible games, it, it could make it could be very good. Yeah, definitely. And I know there seems to be a bit of a boom in iOS accessible games now on on the phone. So. If we can get that to translate across to the uh, to the TV, I think it'd be really good. And you know, to have maybe a bit more, the TV has the advantage of kind of you know two player kind of modes and things like that. A bit more, you know, group interaction. I mm-hmm. think, yeah. So you know, really good potential there. Um, in terms of voiceover um, on the Apple TV, you do have a couple of you know you can change the uh, the, the the rate and stuff like that. You don't have all the the tweaks you would have on iOS on the on the phone or no. the iPad, you don't. No, you're st- you're stuck with the one voice, which you is are, done by yes. your location. Which yes. means we have lovely Moira. We have Moira, us. yeah. Whether we like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, that's one of my top requests is uh, give me Alex, please. Yeah, and that was interesting because on the on the on the old Apple TV, you had a little bit more flexibility on the synthesizer, at least on the region of the synthesizer. Because yeah, you could go in and change your country or something. I know for you? some, and, and I, I don't know how I did this, by the way. On the old Apple TV, I had Samantha, and I have tried because I use uh, Samantha on my so iPhone. So did I actually, and I cannot get it back. So it's another, it's a thing to try. I haven't spent a lot of time on it now, but I need to read up. Is there a way to do it? But I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there is. Um, so yeah, um, voices wise, there is. You can use some. We mentioned the gestures already. Uh, the rotor gesture. Is is useful when you're going into things like the app switcher if you need to close mm-hmm. apps, um, and can, even things like sometimes you're in an app store or something or in Netflix. Say you, you just you always know, sometimes, especially with certain synthesizers, you just cannot figure out what they're saying. Yeah. So you can actually use the rotor to go character by character, character yeah. or word by word. You know, little yeah. things like that that you'd be used to from the phone. Maybe it does have the feel. Maybe doesn't it when you play with it of a of a, a pretty raw version one product, but you can yeah. definitely see potential. Yeah, big time. Like uh, it's, it's funny. It's the fourth generation, but in a sense, it's like the first generation. <laughs> you know, we're going back to a kind yeah. of new, and, and, new and, beginning. Well, exactly because it's a completely new, and they have kind of pretty much redesigned it from the ground up. Um, mm, exactly. And so that it, it's going to take a while before this really comes into its own. But I yeah. suppose I, I I know already since I got mine anyway. There was one software update, and I'm sure there'll be more coming yeah. down the tracks pretty quick. Exactly. And again, I think the more developers that get on board with apps. So when I think of things like Channel 4 making, you know, 4OD or all 4 or RTE making RTE player or SkyGo, you know, these kind of things coming to Apple TV and being accessible for us to browse, I think that's that's huge potential there. BBC iPlayer, by the way, have have a, a have an app now for Apple TV. I haven't used it, but the, apparently it's it's fully accessible, we hear from people in the UK. So, uh, oh yeah, fantastic! And hopefully, there's some content we can watch. Well, yeah, yeah, some <laughs> some small amount. <laughs> okay, well, um, Dave, thanks for thanks for taking the time to come on and, and chat to us. As you say, it's a product to watch. If you have an Apple TV third generation at the moment and you're happy with it, I wouldn't be going mad right now. But you know, maybe maybe for next year's Christmas could be a nice present. Exactly. Yeah, and if you don't have an Apple TV, I definitely go and buy it. the Apple TV because yeah, yeah, it's a I great just, device. Absolutely. It really is, and it's. What is it? One hundred and seventy-nine euros. I think you know it's not cheap, but it's not 
you know, crazy money like an iPhone or something. <laughs> no, know, it's, it's not. And I, I suppose you get great value from it. You get great value because it's not just, you know, for streaming your movies. It's, as you said there, Dave, you can put on your music. It's part of your entertainment system. I mean, we, we pretty much have it on every day. And certainly over Christmas, the Apple TV was on in our house eight or ten hours a day, you know. So it's, it's, yeah. it's earned its keep very much already. Yeah, there you <laughs> so, go. Yeah. All right, um, Dave, thanks as always and uh, hope to chat to you soon. Thanks a million, sir. Now, one of the uh, Christmas presents are things people seem to have been getting, and I've been reading lots about it on Twitter in the last little while, uh, are a family of devices called the Sonos. And uh, I know very little about them, but someone who knows lots about them, and a man who, to be honest, if he's impressed, then we have to get him on, is uh, Brian Harchton from Harchton Consultancy in the UK. Joins us on Skype. Brian, welcome back and Happy New Year. And a happy new year to everybody listening to the podcast. Really pleased to be back. Great to have you. I think this is probably the first time we've had you on when you haven't been talking about a product that you've developed. But you're, I think it's fair to say, quite excited about what you're what you're going to talk to us about um, today. I really am. And you mentioned Christmas. I actually got this device, <laughs> or two of them, uh, for a Christmas present. And since then, it's kind of just snowboard, not only for us, but also, as you indicated earlier, for people um, on Twitter. Uh, once I published a blog post about it, I'm seeing lots of different people who are saying, oh, I'm going to buy this as well. And they have, and they've been equally impressed. Okay. And we're going to link to uh, that blog post on the show notes as well, so people can read your thoughts and your reviews. So just before we we talk about, because there are different types of Sonos devices, what is a Sonos device? Well, the term Sonos device is is just something that I use because I, I really don't know how how else to describe it. Yeah. But it is um, a music player, essentially, or an audio player, a speaker, if you like. Um, and there are lots of these speakers about. Some of them uh, require uh, electrical power. Some are battery powered. Uh, some rely on Bluetooth technology so that you can output uh, the content of your iPhone or, or anything like that um, to it. But um, this goes a step further because it's not just a speaker or a set of speakers. It is a dedicated music player as well. So it does require power. It does require internet connectivity, be that wireless or through an Ethernet cable. And it allows you to access your music library, perhaps uh, housed on a computer uh, elsewhere in the home. It could be uh, via the TuneIn platform. Um, it can link to all of the 100,000 radio stations on TuneIn um, and other music streaming services such as Spotify and iTunes as well. And the beauty of it is that if you are signed in to one of these services, um, if you're listening to a radio station or you're playing an album from Spotify or Apple Music or another service, you don't then have to have the computer on if you don't want to, or even your mobile device. You can simply switch it off or do something else with it because, um, as I say, the Sonos is an internet-based device, so it just gets the information directly from the internet and plays it. And that's what makes it so good. 
Okay, so so it it, it it and you know that's interesting because when I was first of all looking at it and reading a little bit about them, and I was kind of going, yeah, you know, because I have a a jawbone, a, a Jambox speaker, oh yeah, that's speaker. another one in the, and, uh, in the series of speakers people buy. Yeah, but but of course it's just a speaker, it's a Bluetooth speaker, but it doesn't have the you know the capabilities to do all the stuff you've mentioned. So I, I was interested uh, to, to sort of understand the difference, and the other thing I was interested to read, and you mentioned it in your blog, I think, is that if you have one of these network attached storage devices in your home, which I have to store sort of everything centrally, you can sort of connect that to the Sonos as well. Yes, you definitely can. So, uh, a NAS storage device, for example, uh, if you have all your music on that, and lots of people do, then that is one uh, thing that you can do. You can tell it that uh, your music library is on the NAS, and then uh, you're able to search it or place specific uh, folders or playlists from it. Okay. Now, there's different uh, variants of these devices, and, and you, you mentioned in your blog post that you started with the Play 1. My understanding is that there are three, is that right? Um, well, there's three, and there's also something called a play bar, which I'll come on to in a moment. So we didn't know what these devices were like at all, as will be the case with a lot of people, and is the case when you're buying something new online. Um, we were recommended to the Sonos by various friends. And so we thought, well, what we better do is start with the Play One. Now, this is the most basic player. It's a, a, a small speaker. Um, and I give the measurements in the blog post, but it is it is really quite small. So you wonder with this kind of thing how it's going to sound. Um, I've had Bose products in the past, and uh, they have been particularly good, but you do wonder about this. So uh, we got two, and this is one of the unique things about uh, the Sonos as well, is that you can, if you've got two speakers, you can... Um, it, you can actually use what's called stereo separation. So you can pair them together and it really will give you very good stereo separation. So we got right. two. And uh, then, so that's the Play 1, but there's also the Play 3 and the Play 5. And the numbers correspond to the number of speakers in the unit itself. Okay. Okay, that's what that's what it's about essentially. They all have the same services, pretty much. You're not going to be disadvantaged if you have a Play One. Um, you're still going to be able to stream all your content that we've talked about, but it just relates to the the dimensions of the thing and the uh, number of speakers actually in the unit itself. So you have obviously the the Play Three is going to be a bit bigger, and Play Five is bigger again, right? It's going to be, that's right, um, they're going to be bigger and they've got three or five corresponding speakers. That doesn't mean to say you're going to get five separate speakers to put everywhere in your house. It's, these are, are just internal references, in one, really. In one block, I suppose. Uh, that's right, yes. Okay. The play bar that I talked about, that is for use if you want to create a real surround sound system. And people usually get the play bar. It's, it's a, a, a quite an expensive device, actually, but it enables you li to link all the various uh, Sonos devices to your uh, TV or your Apple TV. I'm imagining it must be something like a sound bar that sort of 
sits in front yes. of your TV. Yeah. It okay. is. So we we have a device. Let's let's just go back to the Play One in your case. Um, yeah. Does it? Because I, I, and I suppose after I read your blog post, I understood a bit more. But initially, I I thought that the device speaks, but it doesn't speak. You use other devices to control it. Is that correct? That's exactly it. You need to use what's called the Sonos controller. And the Sonos controller app is the same for whichever of the devices you happen to purchase. That's good. There is a Sonos controller for the PC. And there's also one for uh, Android and also an iOS device. So I thought, um, obviously, I was a little bit apprehensive, as you often are. You wonder whether these sorts of things are going to be accessible or not. So I started out on the premise that the iPhone one might be reasonably accessible. So that was what I would use to... Uh, set up the devices initially and indeed it was it did guide me through the various stages of setting up the first one which i did um, it wants to find your network of course once you've uh, entered your network uh, credentials for the first one um, for subsequent speakers or sonos devices it's not going to ask you for that again the setup process is very easy it just says do you want to add another player to your existing system and uh, once you've done that and you've set it all up, probably takes uh, two or three minutes, then um, quite simply you're away and everything is um, accessible and you can access everything that I've already talked about. So you're, you'd be using um, your phone, maybe your iPhone, your, your iDevice, your Android device or the PC to, to do this, uh, first of all, the initial setup and then the browsing to sort of access the content and send it to the Sonos. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Um, you, uh, the good thing about it, Stuart, is that whatever you're doing, whether you, wh- whichever service you're accessing, the layout is consistent. So if you know how to search for something using the Sonos controller app on Spotify, then it's going to be exactly the same on Apple Music and any other kind of service. And particularly with the PC version, which is very accessible, um, you are using standard uh, navigational techniques. So you're using um, a list boxes, for example. Um, when you search for something, you, you get a list box with your results. You press enter on the one you want. You might get a series of albums by that person. Again, it's in a list box and so on. So you've got all that very easy to navigate. You can do things like change the volume from the controller. Um, and when you can, when you change the volume, obviously it controls the whole system. So if you do have several speakers, and perhaps we'll talk about that in a minute, um, it will. If if they're all configured correctly, then it will change the volume for all of those. You can change the graphic equalization to a certain degree. You can uh, enable shuffle play. You can a- enable cross fading, which is a bit rudimentary, but it's okay. It certainly does. Uh, crossfade and will uh, give you some continuous music output and of course you can tell it where your music library is or any dedicated folders that you want to add to the system 
Now, did I read, uh, I don't know if it was in your blog or, or maybe somewhere else, that there is the facility uh, to set an alarm so you can sort of have it wake you up with some your yes, favourite internet indeed. radio station. That kind of struck me as like, oh yeah, I'd like that. that. That's really good as well. Yes, you can set alarms to have anything wake you up. So let's say, for example, uh, yes, you could assign it to a radio station, of course. But let's say you were listening, Stuart, to one of your favourite albums and you thought, okay, I've had enough of this for the time being, uh, you can just uh, switch the whole system off. And when your alarm wakes you up in the morning, it will continue playing that album, if that's what you wish. You can also set a sleep timer as well. And a lot of people like to do this. Um, so you can set a sleep timer for the whole system to turn off in 90 minutes or an hour, whatever you like, really. Does it have the facility to send, I'm thinking of, for example, I don't know, if you were listening to a podcast and using a podcast app on your iOS device, can you send uh, audio output to the Sonos or do you have to do that through the Sonos app? No, you have to do it uh, through the Sonos app. And this is where there is a possible limitation, uh, because obviously, um, if you are using uh, services like Netflix and so on, it might not be possible to do that unless you have uh, a play bar and um, you you try and send it uh, through through some other through some other way. I haven't really got into that yet because we don't use those services on a regular basis. But um, certainly you can't do what you're suggesting unless I think there may be a podcast app in as part of the Sonos controller. Okay. But again, I haven't looked into that too deeply. All right. Now, I, I suppose uh, you mentioned there a moment ago the idea of multiple speakers. And I've heard people doing all sorts of cool things with th- these devices over the last couple of weeks, like having, you know, speakers in the kitchen, one in the sitting room or one in the bedroom or whatever, bring them into the bathroom. Is that the kind of thing you've been doing or have you been doing this idea of the split stereo in the one room? Well, we've been doing both, in fact. So we have a very large area in our flat or apartment that we use to to live in uh, predominantly uh, and to work in as well. And so what we actually wanted, we, we started out with the two Play Ones and we were really impressed with how the stereo separation worked because when you listen to a lot of songs and a lot of uh, plays and uh, movies films as well you really obviously want the stereo separation to be good and we were impressed with that Um, but it didn't really fill the whole room because one of the criticisms i have of the play one is the lack of bass Um, It's quite bassy for a small speaker, particularly Mm. if you change the graphic equalization in the Sonos controller so as to maximize the bass. But it isn't, to my way of thinking, particularly bassy. So the first thing we did was we uh, got a second pair of Play Ones and we put them on the other side of the room. Now, the Sonos controller actually thinks that really what you want to do is to have these in separate rooms. But what you can do then, although you're giving the second pair um, a different name, in other words, it thinks, uh, I don't know, it might be the bedroom or or the the lounge as opposed to the living room, for example, uh, you can then group those together. 
so that all the four speakers or however many you've got play. And that is the great thing. You can either um, have them separate or you can group them together. And that's what we've done. So, so far, so good. It was all working. It was all sounding lovely. It's just this bass problem that we had. So what we did then is we took the plunge and we bought what they called the wireless subwoofer. Ooh. Now, this is quite expensive. Um, we might talk prices in mm. a moment if you like. Um, but this, this is quite an expensive, huge unit. It's is huge, heavy thing it is. <laughs> um, and uh, I set it up and... Um, once you add that, and and there is a, a series of tests, if you like, audio tests that you have to go through to make sure that it's giving you the bass that you want, but you are guided through that during the setup. Um, once it was done, it's absolutely wonderful. It is the best um, music system that we've ever had, and we are absolutely thrilled with the way that it's working. It's it's everything we could possibly want now, and we're not using the bass to its full potential at all. Um, it's, it's quite the way down in terms of the graphic equalization. It's all about the bass, to quote uh, Megan, Megan Trainer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got your bass, you're happy. Um, so th the other thing, uh, I know you've been doing a little bit of work in the last few days to create some scripts to help people use the Windows app. Uh, sorry, the, the, the Windows Sonos controller, is that right? Yes, I have done. Um, by and large, it was pretty pretty good and they really must be congratulated because um, I've just learned that there are a competitive set of speakers or devices offering very similar functionality made by Bose. They don't have Apple Music yet um, but they have uh, many of the other uh, services and there are some um, there are some advantages and disadvantages of having the Bose over the Sonos. One of the uh, advantages um, is that you can, I believe, uh, Bluetooth uh, something to the device, and it also has a series of presets on there, but there's no stereo separation on these devices and uh, some other limitations as well. So um, back to the Sonos, though. Um, the, the app for the Bose isn't accessible, but the Sonos one is without scripts. What I found, though, was that, um, you know, sometimes when sighted people develop um, functionality for blind people, Stuart, they kind of go, you know, adopt great gusto. They really get into it in a mm. big way and they it's really overkill yeah they provide so much speech that it, it becomes completely unusable almost and that that's what was happening a little bit here so you would tap through and um i i think the way they may have been doing it is that they were forcing information to the to the screen reader to the speech synthesizer and it was just saying far too much so i reduced all of that um, I've also uh, made some of the um, output a little bit cleaner. So, for example, when you were searching on Apple Music, um, it was telling you that there were no search results. And in fact, they were there. And there was just a few oddities like that. Um, and um, I've given some keystrokes so that you can, for example, tell 
how much time you've been playing a song, how much remaining time, those sorts of things. The other major thing is, though, that the setup screens are not completely accessible. So when you want to set up or add an existing unit to your system, yes, you can tab around. And if you're if you're particularly uh, au fait with what's meant to be happening, what the expectation is, then you might be able to get around it. But there is a lot of help information on those screens, particularly with the subwoofer. And you want to be able to read that. So that wasn't accessible even with the JAWS cursor. Um, that is accessible now with the scripts. So you can read all of that help text uh, if you really want to do it. Fantastic. And are the scripts available from your website? Yes. If you go to the Hartran Consultancy um, website at hartran.org, uh, that's a free download. Uh, it didn't take very long to do them. And um, to be honest, it's just a service that we wanted to give to the community because okay. uh, lots of people were, were getting these devices. Super, yeah. And I suspect lots more will over the next little while too, which probably leads me on to, because I went after reading your blog post the other day, I was pricing them on uh, Amazon. And yeah, I mean, they're not cheap. I suppose that's, that's the first thing to say. They're not cheap. And the Bose speakers that I referred to earlier on are a little bit cheaper. Not much, but a little. Um, so typically, for example, the Play One is around about £170. Mm. So if you wanted two of those, you're talking like 340 What we did find, you might want to uh, have a bit of a dig around because um, we were quite lucky in the first instance that on Amazon uh, there was... Um, a Sonos starter kit. And this gave you two Play Ones in a box, which was less expensive than you would otherwise pay for them. When we came in the new year um, to buy the second two, that had all gone. So I don't know whether it was a limited offer or what the the, the case was Something there, but you might want to have a look at that. So, 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 so the second set, you had to buy them as individual speakers? Yes, we did. Okay. okay. Yes. And, and I presume then the, 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 the Play 3 and, and 5, because you're getting more speakers, and then this subwoofer you mentioned was particularly expensive, I think, was it? Yes, the subwoofer is about 599 Okay. Um, and the yes, they do go up in price. The Play Three and the Play Five. The Play Bar is also, I think, very expensive. It's uh, well over five hundred pounds, I think, yeah. for the Play Bar, and that's something that we 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 know we're never going to get into because of our circumstances. We just wouldn't use that. And and, and you know, I suppose when you're thinking about this, you're you're also going to be thinking about space. As in, what do you really need for the size of of the living area that you have? And I suppose the other the other thing is wireless speakers and a, a wireless surround sound system like this is always going to be a little bit more expensive. So you've got to really think about what your uh, audio or sound requirements are, don't you? You definitely do need to think about that. The good thing about this is it's modular, isn't it? So you can start out with something relatively small, such right. as a couple of Play Ones, yeah. and then you can build up the system if that's really what you want to do. You might be content with a couple of Play Ones. Maybe it's for the bedroom or something like that. Mm. Um, and um, 
then you can build them up or you can you can get alternative uh, products in the range they all go together anyway and as i say you can either separate out the systems so um you might for example want to have um, some music playing in one room and you might want to hear the output from a movie in another mm. that's possible so there are all kinds of uh, it's, it's it's a very very flexible system and yeah. it just uh, depends upon what your budget is and as you say what space you have i should say um with regards to the the subwoofer if anyone is interested in that it's deceiving a little bit it certainly deceived me because um i thought that uh, you will be getting sound out of this <laughs> and it doesn't work like that um what it is if you like it's a I would call it a, um, an audio distribution mechanism. So what it does is it actually sends out the bass mm. to all your other speakers that you have. Yeah. It, now, the advantage to that is it doesn't we, – we don't care where it goes. It yes. can be under the desk or, or anywhere out of sight. It isn't really going to matter, providing it's connected to your network in some way, You probably wirelessly, then it's going to be okay. It's the other speakers that you've got to think about the placement. Okay. And, and maybe um, just, Brian, uh, uh, finally, that the physical uh, speakers themselves, have they actual knobs and buttons on them or is everything done from the app? Like, There's presumably a power switch or something on the speaker, is there? Yeah, the, the Play 1s, because that's all I can talk about apart yeah. from the subwoofer, the Play 1s um, just have uh, two controls on them. Uh, there is a power button. Well, it's not really power. What it is, uh, it goes into st like a standby mode. Um, you can uh, press the button. Uh, once we'll put it into standby mode. If you press it again, it will just start playing the last thing that you were listening to. Now, you can have it in standby mode. And then as soon as you ask it to play something via the controller, you don't need to physically turn it on or take it out of standby mode on the unit itself. You, it, it automatically happens. That's why it's standby, you see. The other control on each of the Play 1s is the volume control. Uh, you, it, it's, it's, um, it's a button, but it has two sections to it, if you like. So the upper section, where you press it, it will increase the volume. The lower section decreases. And that is all there is. Obviously, it has uh, a port for the electrical power, has an Ethernet uh, port as well and that is all now in terms of the subwoofer it only has one button and that is used purely for setup purposes um, once you've pressed that button in order to add it to your system just once you can just put it somewhere and forget it okay and, and I, I assume that um, you can you know while you're listening to music for example say controlling it from your phone you can you can interact with voiceover work away send texts do everything else because oh yes yes yeah. indeed you can because obviously you're not going to hear that yeah over the speaker so that's another advantage yeah yeah and, and if a call comes in then because the phone is only sort of acting as the app it's not actually sending stuff to the speaker so you can presumably take a call while the speaker is playing can you <laughs> 
That's exactly right. And um, perhaps we should end on that point because this is the one thing I really like about this sort of device and why I like specialist devices, particularly for listening to, to books and, and uh, so on. I don't want the book or the music to be interrupting me. I want to be able to go on working. I want to be able to go, uh, take calls and interact with my phone or my computer in the normal way. I can do all of that with the Sonos and I can still um, uh, listen to my music, which is good. One thing I did leave out very quickly, and it is important while we're talking about books, which is why I was prompted to mention it, um, and that is there is no lining socket on the Play One or no headphone socket at all. So um, I mentioned the line in particularly because what some people might want to do, of course, is to connect something like a, a Victor Reader stream or some other audio player sure. in order to listen to their talking books. They're not going to be able to do that. Now, uh, with Overdrive, if you download books from Overdrive, it's not going to be a huge problem because you can tell the Sonos where the book is. So that's okay. You could listen to it uh, using that. Um, the Play 3 and the Play 5 devices, however, do have line imports on them. So that is definitely a consideration if that's what you want to do. And if you had, for example, a Play 1 and a Play 3, could you connect something to the line import on the Play 3 and it would also send it to the Play 1, I wonder? Yes. But yeah, yeah, okay. So there, yes, so there are, so it's, it is, I mean, I suppose as, I, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of all the scenarios I might choose, yes. but it is highly <laughs> customizable, right? Yes, it definitely is. And you could do exactly what you've described there. All right. I better, I better let you go before I start wanting to go onto Amazon. <laughs> it's money, <laughs> money I don't have at this moment to spend on. But uh, Brian, thank you. I suppose, you know, as I said at the beginning, it's something that like if you're impressed with it and you're a keen audio enthusiast, it's something we just had to get you on to talk about it. So thank you for giving us your time and thank you for uh, sharing the excitement of the Sonos um, devices with us. I'd love, I'd love talking about it, I really have, and it's, it's just, just so new. But I think for blind people, I don't use this word often, but I think for people particularly um, who are audio enthusiasts right through to people who just want to listen to the radio or to listen to specific music, I think because of the way particularly the controller is designed, for blind people, it is revolutionary mm -hmm. because it makes it so easy. Uh, and we should probably say at the very end that uh, Sonos is spelled S-O-N-O-S in case people are logging That's on right. to, to Amazon. Latin, as we, uh, yes, <laughs> Amazon as we speak, wanting to buy them. Um, Brian, thanks a million and uh, hope to chat to you soon. I'd love to. Thank you very much. Well, thanks very much to Brian Hartston there for a really thorough and in-depth uh, discussion on the Sonos um, range of, I was going to say speakers, but they're really entertainment systems, aren't they? It's it's so interesting. And, you know, I'm a bit of a, a tech geek and I like my gadgets and was listening to Brian there and it's like, no, no, I have to wrap this up because I'm getting more and more interested in them. If you've got one of these devices, because there's been so much stuff on Twitter um, lately about these devices, if you have one, 
one, please give us a shout. Uh, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. And look at the time. It's just about time for me to be out of here. Thanks to our contributors this month, Bobby Hickey, Dave Nason, and of course, Brian Harston. Join us in February when, amongst other things, I'm going to be at the Young Scientist Exhibition in the RDS. I'm going to meet two amazing girls, and I'll tell you more in February. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good month. This is Stuart Lawler saying take care and goodbye. Bye.